everybody, like I was saying earlier, I like sighted people. You got excitement and excitement. I like the excitement. It's so amazing. And I tell you what, we have an amazing individual who's going to be ministering the word to us uh, for us tonight. I'm Dr. Larry, senior pastor, our assistant pastor, Dr. Renee. We'll be teaching scripture study tonight, and I'm excited about that. My excited is sighted. And my excited, sighted is totally amazing. All right. That's one of her favorite, you know, good terms. She was so amazing. Okay, so we're going to pull up FEM 4, 11 through 13, and uh, we'll get a reader to read that. Go right ahead and read. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints of the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of Elohim, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Yeshua, at that we would no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men and the cunning craftness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does, its share its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. All right. We appreciate that. Appreciate that, reading that for us. And I want you all to do something for me that's on YouTube Live. Like, hit the like button. Hit that bell at the upper right-hand corner and subscribe to our channel. That way you'll be notified every time we come on. Because people ask me, when you come on, I, I didn't catch it, I didn't catch it. Hit the bell at the top. Hit the bell at the top. Subscribe. And then turn on your notification. And we got several teachers who are teaching on Saturdays, on weekends. Got weekend teaching. We got Tuesday night prayer school uh, uh, teaching going on. We have Thursday night scripture study. We have a scholars class on Thursday at six fifteen. And our uh, topic now is teaching how to study the scripture, how to study scripture. We're actually, teaching doctorate of material uh, in terms of how to study, and we're not charging anything for it. The same thing we teach in our seminary. We have full credit seminary, and uh, when we open those classes back up, those courses will be there. But tonight. Uh, this ministry gift is a assistant pastor in the pastoral ministry, and uh, she is mature, been battle-tested, committed to the faith, committed to a father, committed to a creator, have a lifestyle of dedication to the father. Uh, she is a wife, excellent wife, mother. Uh, she is a woman of woman, is what I call her, Masa Izanige. Uh, Dr. Renee Smith is going to minister for us, and I, I appreciate you so much, and uh, we are ready uh, to give it to you, you got it, Dr. Nain. I appreciate you so much. Love you much, baby. Shalom. Shalom. Thank you so much, Dr. Larry, and uh, grateful for the opportunity. As a matter of fact, every time you ask me to minister, you save my life because you give me the opportunity to be obedient. And so I'm just grateful um, for this opportunity and, you know, not just the minister, but just to be a part of the ministry. I am grateful for your mentorship and how uh, you have taught us and how you've groomed us. And just I'm I'm cited, too. I think I learned a new word on tonight. 
So uh, Total Elohim, we give you praise for your word going forth. We thank you for allowing me to minister according to the ability that you have supplied, not to fall short, not to go beyond it, but you being glorified in all things. I thank you for the hearts of the people being touched today. For those who are watching, for those who will watch later on, give you praise in advance, that in which you have in store in the authority of Yeshua. Okay, so um, I'm just going to get right into what the Father has given me to share with you. Um, been meditating all week long, just listening and um, just fine tuning everything, just hearing what thus says Elohim. And so on tonight, we want to get into talking about how we're to focus forward in the kingdom and deal with the aspect of fruitfulness. So uh, this is going to be a little bit of interactive. You know, I'm going to ask you a few questions. And for those who are on, you can answer if you feel like you have the answer. And I do plan on just taking my time as I teach tonight because I'm, I'm not in a hurry. And I definitely want to make sure that what needs to be said will be said. So as we focus forward in the kingdom, we're going to deal with fruitfulness. And so the first question that I want to ask, if you have not asked yourself, the first question is, what is my purpose? What's your purpose? Uh, what are you supposed to be doing? And why are you here? Those are the main questions that every ambassador who wants to know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. These are the type of questions that we should ask ourselves. One, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? And why am I here? So we're going to go right to Bereshit 1 and 28. Ministry Tech, he's going to get that up. Bereshit 1 and 28. And if you can share that, that'll be great. Okay, so the word of Elohim reads, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over everything that moves on the earth. Notice when the father spoke this word, he said, have dominion over everything that moves on the earth, but he never said dominate people. He never said that. But he says, be fruitful and multiply. You can take that down if you will. Be fruitful and multiply. Quite often when we have seen this in the past, I know when I was first coming um, up in, in uh, the gospel streets, as I can say, I thought that he was just talking about being fruitful as in having a lot of babies. But he was really talking deeper than that. When he was saying, be fruitful and multiply, he want us to be fruitful in that we are producing kingdom thoughts, precepts, his way of thinking and filling the earth with his precepts, his thoughts, his laws, his statutes. So when he's telling us to be fruitful, he not only want us to be fruitful, but he want us to multiply. So the father is in the multiplication business. So if I am not multiplying, if I am in a place of stagnation, if I'm not moving, 
if I'm not being productive, if I don't see fruit, then I need to make sure that I examine myself and go back to the mandate and like, okay, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I being fruitful? Am I? So let's take a, a, a look at the next note. You put that up for me. Thank you so much. Okay, so in Yogadon 15, the word of Elohim reads, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Let me make a quick adjustment here. Okay. He cut off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So who is he talking to? He's talking to those who have already said yes, those who have already decided that yes, uh, Yeshua is my Lord and they have a corresponding action with that. And they have decided that they're going to dominate their circumstances instead of their circumstances dominating them. So it says, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Here it is, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This is so vitally important because oftentimes, especially in the world that we're in right now, right now we are facing uh, the fact that many people have decided that they don't have to be connected to the vine. They're saying things like, well, I don't like, um, I don't like um, organized religion. Well, would you prefer unorganized religion? I mean, what are you saying? I don't, I don't, I don't have to have a pastor. I can go to the father for myself. See, the thing about it is that the father, he has already set up his way of doing things, but because we are so used to doing what we want to do and then asking him to bless it because we come up in a democratic society, whereas if we don't like something, we'll just vote it out. So, sometimes, oftentimes, it's hard to embrace when there's a set of governing rules that we are supposed to abide by. So the word of the king is already set. It's law. And so we're to abide by that. So you can put the note back up for me. So he's telling us that we're to make sure that we stay connected. Stay connected to what has already been established. Verse four, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. The scripture also says, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, anything that you ask, it shall be given. Okay, so verse uh, four Part B, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, we, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then the scripture goes on to read, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. So what does that tell us? It tells me that as a kingdom ambassador, that I am to stay connected to the vine. Anything that's unlike him, I'm to prune it. As a matter of fact, as I stay connected to the vine, then I am renewing my mind. And then those things that need to be cut off, they're cut off. And so as we move further, it says that as we connect to the vine, as he, as his word abide in me, I'm already cleansed by his word. But if I decide to go on and do my own thing, then I'm going to have evidence of no fruit. Go to the next note for me, if you will. Point number one, if I am not actively functioning in my purpose and producing fruit, I am either operating in ignorance, willful disobedience, or I'm an unbeliever. <clears throat> it's simple. So if I'm not actually, because many times we think, okay, well, I'm saved, but what else? According to Bereshit that we just read earlier, it says that we're to be fruitful and we are to multiply. So it says, if I'm not actively functioning in uh, my purpose, producing food, fruit, I'm either operating in ignorance, willful disobedience, or I'm an unbeliever. So my first question, and anyone can answer this, when you hear the word ignorance, what is the first thought that comes to your mind? What is ignorance? Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. Ignorance is lack of knowledge. Ignorance is lack of knowledge. So um, <clears throat> the scripture tells us that if anybody lack wisdom, we're to do what? We're to ask. So the next note, it tells us ignorance. In order for me to come out of ignorance, look at this person. This person, they there's a light that's shining and let me, because uh, I'm I'm going by, okay, yeah, you have it up, good. So there's a light that's shining. So in order for me to come out of ignorance and go to the light, I must realize that the way that I've been going is not the right way. So many people are ignorant because they don't even realize, they think because we were born into this, I was actually born into a Christian household. So we were born into certain customs and ways. And so we are, we were ignorant of certain things. So in order for me to change, I first have to realize that there's a problem. So ignorance is a decision, believe it or not. It's a decision. Some people decide to stay into ignorance so the scripture tells us that we need to choose wisely. And I want us to look at Devarim 30 
and 15, which is the next note. Devarim 30 and 15. Excuse me, I said that backwards. Okay, so starting at verse 15. And someone else can read this this time. Once you get it up. Thank you. See, I have said before you today, life and good, death and evil. Keep going. Yes, keep going. In that, I command you today to love the Lord, your Elohim, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statues and his judgments that you may live and multiply. And the Lord, your Elohim, will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other Elohims and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your Elohim, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he, for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Okay. Thank you. You can keep that up for one moment. Keep that up if you don't mind. So thank you. See, every day we make a decision. We have choices that we make. Uh, I was listening to this message that Dr. Larry was teaching. And this is one of my favorites talking about choices, change choices, uh, transformation, something like that. I'm, I'm getting the, the title mixed up, change choices and transformation, something of that nature, but that's what it's dealing with. Every day we have to make choices. And so this scripture here in, in uh, Devarim 15, it says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love Yahweh your Elohim, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments. And then you see this Hebrew word mitzvah. Now, for some, this is a religious term, whereas, and we're going to look at our notes in a minute, but I want you to keep this up. Uh, this is a religious term in uh, Judaism, and they think a mitzvah is when you go out and do a good deed. This is why it's so vitally important that we study the Hebrew keys and understand the precepts and understand what the father is trying to communicate because we will allow religion to block our view and think that we're doing the right thing. And then we think we're doing a hundred, but we really doing zero. So I want to look at this uh, word mitzvah and I believe I have it on the next. Yeah. I have it on the next note. You can go to the next note. Um, so just we're going to deal with some definitions of terms. Many times when we deal in the Hebrew language, people are saying, I mean, why, why you got to 
Why, why do they keep talking in that Hebrew language? Because the father wants us to stick to the original and break away from religious notions. If I can just stick to the original as much as possible, then I can understand exactly what Elohim was trying to convey. So when we're dealing with this word mitzvah, uh, it is, it means, you know, we're dealing with that word command. So it's not just doing a good deed. We see that it is com uh, comprised of the Hebrew Olivet Mem. And then we also see Sadi. And then we see Vav and then Hey. So Mem is dealing with the life-giving spirit or the anointing. And then Sadi tells me that there's a great desire or strong pull for something. So there's a strong pull for the anointing. And then Vav, we see that this Vav means something has been established. And then, hey, it tells me that a revelation of heaven is being revealed here on earth. So it's not about just doing a, it's not doing a good deed, but mitzvah is a state of being. So when he, when this word, when we use the word commandment, it's, it has nothing to do with uh, doing this religious act or deeds, but it's actually allowing that anointing to be established, allowing that anointing to flow through me. And so I can reveal what's in heaven right here on earth. That's, that's what the true mitzvah is. So it's not a state of doing when I, and I was looking at it, I said, man, you know, it's amazing how you can handle the word, but we have to remember that uh, when we're dealing with the word, there's an intent of the word. We can't just go by the letter. There's the spirit of the word that we have to deal with as well. So just slide back to where we were, go back to that last note so we can look at that. So we were just looking at mitzvah and then it says his statutes. Then we have another word. His statutes uh, is shuga. And we're going to look at that word in a moment. And then his judgments that you may live chaha and multiply rabah. Why are we taking the time? to look at these words because I really, I really want to see father, what is it that you're trying to convey? Because you told me here that you're setting something before me today. And if I can keep your commandments, if I can uh, allow your anointing to flow through me and be established in me and have that desire in me so much so that it's birthed out and heaven is revealed on earth through me. Then it goes on to say, the word says that he will bless me. Isn't that amazing? He'll bless me. So um, I'm going to just share my screen just for a moment. So I can just move back and forth. There you go. Okay, so now. So I said, I said chuga, but it's actually kukah. Okay, I had to look at the 
the breakdown of that. So Kuka, the statutes. So when Elohim was saying Kuka, when he because he, he didn't speak in English, when he said Kuka, this was comprised of Chet and then Kuf and then Hey. So Chet is telling me that something is being surrounded by the covenant. And then Kuf is the intent or the purpose or what follows. So what, what follows what, when I'm surrounded by this covenant, something is going to follow. Well, this revelation of heaven on earth again. So this is, he's saying that my word needs to be established. My word let it be as it is in heaven. Let it be done here on earth. So this is another definition of term. And then the other one that we mentioned, judgment, mishpat. Mishpat. So mishpat is comprised of mem, shin, pei, and then tet. And so this word mishpat is dealing with judgment. So mem is dealing with the anointing, the life-given spirit, and then shin is the provider of peace and protection. It also means to be consumed and then pay the powerful, eternal spoken word of the father and then take the consequences of the de decisions that we make, whether it's good or bad. These are the consequences. So look, so this word judgment, that, that brings a whole nother life. So I have to make a decision about something. I have this anointing, this life-giving spirit because my provider of peace and protection is right here. And guess what? I get to judge everything by his word, his spoken word, the spoken word of the father. And then I get to decide. So I'm going to stop sharing for one moment. It's important as an ambassador to make sure that the choices that I am making are based on the word of Elohim. The choices that I am making because for the longest, you know, before we got saved, we were doing whatever we were big and bad enough to do. And then we came into the knowledge of the truth. Now I have to renew my mind and do what? Conform to his way. Yeshua said it best in the very beginning when he said that we need to change the way that we think. Okay, now you can uh, show the next note for me. I just wanted to show that for one moment. Yes, one more. Okay, and so also, look, here are more definitions of terms. The word live, kaka. Call y'all to be surrounded by the covenant, being empowered on heaven, by heaven, on earth, through his precepts, and then multiply what's inside of the leader. What's first to reveal heaven on earth? Notice that the father is saying over and over, reveal heaven on earth, reveal heaven on earth. Let my will be done on heaven. I mean, in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. I was getting that mixed up. On in earth as it is in heaven. He's telling us over and over again. 
not my will, not, not what I want to do, but what he wants to be, what he wants to be done. Okay. And then we have the Hebrew word Barak, which means to bless. So what's inside of the heart of the leader and what has already been sanctioned. So you can take a picture of this and go back and just take a look at that. Because when we are looking at this in the light of what the father was conveying, when he was talking in the very beginning, it's saying more than what the English terminology was saying. When he was saying, see, I've set before you today life and good and life and good and death and evil. And in that command, I command you. When he was saying all of this, he was making a declaration to choose. So now we're going to get into uh, choices, the choices that we have been making. I want you to slip down to note 13, if you will. So on note 13, it tells us that we must make a choice to change so that we can transition and then transform. Many people want that transformation process. They want the end result and want to skip, but you have to go through the process. There's no skipping. There's no uh, sudden way of doing this thing. We have to go through the entire process. So when we're talking about making a choice to change, there are four types of changes. Number one, is choice change. And we're still dealing with fruit because in order for me to produce the fruit that Elohim wants to see, I've had to change. I can't keep doing what I've been doing. I've been stagnant too long. I've been stuck in a rut for too long. I have to move into productivity. Otherwise, I'm not fulfilling the mandate and what he has given me to do. So number one, there's choice change. So with choice change, you know, there are marriages. You make a choice to get married. Nobody, last time I checked, we don't do any shotgun weddings, I don't think. But we have choice change. And then we also have the choice to divorce. Hate to say it, but that is a choice. Guess what? Salvation is a choice. Yes, the father chose us, but we had to make the decision to say, yes, he's not going to force himself on us at any time. We also have another type of change, which is a new career. And then we have eating habits here. Can you believe that? Eating habits. That's a choice. I can choose to keep putting poison in my body or I can choose to fuel my body. And then another type of choice change is a planned pregnancy. Hopefully is by a husband and wife, a planned pregnancy. And now we have to talk like this because these days, what? People are planning pregnancies with and without a male and female. They're going to the sperm banks. They're doing this. Two dads are planning pregnancies and trying to, I, I saw something where they took a, the tail of a mouse and was able to um, reproduce somehow. And the mouse was able to have children. I mean, cloning, things of like that. This world is sick. 
But these are uh, choice changes that we're talking about now. So that's one. Another type of change is force change. Force change, fired from a job, unexpected death, unexpected pregnancy. Force change because of a medical condition. Maybe someone had a stroke and they're paralyzed and now this is a force change. Sometimes when changes occur, whether it's a choice change or a force change, sometimes we get stuck. And so it's going to take the spirit of Elohim and trusting and believing that the same one that we said that we believe that is able to save our soul, since he made us, surely he can help us through this process of change. All right, so we don't have to stay stuck. We have to make sure that we trust in him. And then number three, another type of change is crowd changes. We see this all the time. Crowd changes as in, you know, somebody's wearing a particular type of clothing. Oh, I got to get that. I can remember when I was in the seventh grade and um, it was some Ralph Lauren pants came out. Ralph Lauren pants came out and I was like, oh, I want those pants. And my auntie went and bought me those $70 pants. And I was just, I had my Ralph Lauren. You couldn't even see the label, but I knew I had on Ralph Lauren. I maybe, maybe I tucked my shirt in so everybody could see my Ralph Lauren. Craziness. $70 was a lot of money back then. It still is now, especially for a pair of pants. So crowd changes, fashion, music, politics. Guess what? Religion. I have found that religion and we have, we have seen how religion controls the mind of people. If you want to change a group of people, give them religion, give them music, give them sports. This is how the world is influencing people. And so people will go with the crowd instead of number four, the cloud. Cloud changes. So we have to make a choice to change and go with the cloud. So in Romeo, let's look at Romeo 8 and 14. And then also Bereshit 22 and 1. Romeo 8 and 14. So for those who are led by the spirit of Elohim are the children of Elohim. See, the sons of Elohim are led by his spirit. The sons of Elohim are not led by the crowd. The sons of Elohim are not led by their feelings. I was speaking with someone and they said, well, you know, some days I feel great and some days I don't. Some days I'm depressed. Wait a minute. It's not based on feelings because feelings change. It's based on do I trust him? Do I trust what the word is saying? Am I going to obey him even when my flesh is saying, I, I don't feel like doing this? Well, my flesh has to come in subject of the word. So there was a choice change. We we're talking about change, right? You can take the note down. 
you can take the scripture down and put the note up for a moment. Okay, so four types of change, choice change, force change, proud changes, and cloud changes. Now let's look at Bereshit 22 and 1, an example of a, another example of a cloud change. Bereshit 22 and 1. Okay, someone can read this for me. Sometime later, Elohim tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then Elohim said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that Elohim had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, Elohim himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place Elohim had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of Elohim, or Yahweh, called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear Elohim because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Okay, you can stop there. Thank you so much. This right here is powerful because suppose Abraham had decided because Elohim had already spoken to him and told him to sacrifice his son. Suppose Abraham decided, no, okay, he's, I know Elohim told me this and he went ahead and killed his son. But no, he decided to move with the cloud because the spirit of Elohim told him, wait, there is a ram in the bush. But I want you to look, go back up to, um, go where it says in Bereshit 22 and 8. 22 and 8, look at this. And put that in the interlinear for one moment. Okay, so Abram answered Elohim, uh, himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. The word went is actually, and you can just circle it, just put it, there it is. 
Okay, there. Okay, go back. Thank you. This word went is so powerful. They went together, but actually what happened, this is dealing with the power of the of them being surrounded by the covenant that has been established. Where, where are we getting all this from? This is coming from the Hebrew Olivet. And you can put the note up that I have, note 14. When they went together, see, when he went with, when they went together, Abraham, his mind was fully convinced. He had already decided that he was going to go forth, even though the thing that the father had asked him to do, he wasn't willing to withhold his very own son. So he was committed all the way to the point, whereas he was willing to kill his own son, but the father said, no, wait. And because of that, Elohim, he said, because you gave up your son, you were willing to give up your son, I've got to give up my son. See, as kingdom ambassadors, we are to intercede on behalf of others. As kingdom ambassadors, we're to make sure that heaven is demonstrated right here on earth. This part, when, when Abraham was getting ready to do this, he was able to demonstrate his commitment to the point where the father could be glorified. Why? Because he was fully obedient. Look at the next note on verse, um, on the note number 15. Full obedience will produce fruits of righteousness. The first step, if I want to move into productivity, I have to be fully persuaded in my heart because sometimes you're going to be uh, tested in ways that the flesh may feel uncomfortable, but the spirit is always willing. So the first step is to be fully persuaded in your heart, fully persuaded in your mind that I can do this thing. Too many times we have talked ourselves out of doing different things, thinking, oh, I can't do it. It's too hard. I can't do it. Well, they're going to say this. Well, what about what the father thinks? What about hearing him say, well done? What about being committed from the very end? I mean, from the very beginning to the very end, not starting and stopping, not getting off track, not getting into cycles of going good for six months and then stopping, not going good for a year and then stopping. See, we have to go through the whole process. So that's number one. The first step is to be fully persuaded in your heart. And then number two, bury what needs to be buried and resurrect what needs to be resurrected. Why do we say that? Because sometimes there are certain things that we're trying to hold on to that the father has said, no, you need to kill that. You need to let that go. No, you need to resurrect that. You need to do that again. Don't forsake your first love. Remember when you used to get up early and pray to me? Remember when you would just focus and fasten your mind on me and not be consumed about everything else and doing everything else and, and being all over the place? 
there are some things that I personally, I had to tighten up. I was like, wait a minute, this thing over here has consumed me. I got to focus and refocus. This is what I teach. This is what I live by. Focus and refocus. Bury what need to be buried and resurrect what need to be resurrect. In other words, sometimes you're going to have to lose some friends. Sometimes you're going to have to leave other people behind. Sometimes. And then sometimes you have to connect with like-minded people so that they can propel you forward. Oftentimes we're trying to just resurrect the dead. You, you trying to get mouth to mouth, such resuscitated, just blowing on it, blowing on it. He said, let that thing die. Let it go. He's saying, let that thing, that thing that you trying to hold on to that you think is so good. It's not for your good. Because many times the enemy, he will use things. And this is scripture. The enemy will use things that we love, that we like, that we think are so wonderful, so good to bait us. And then that same bait is the same bait that the enemy's trying to use to, to bait us right to hell. Okay, so number three, without obedience, there is no sacrifice. Abraham, Abraham had to be, he was obedient. He was getting ready to give the sacrifice. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. So he was fully obedient to the point where his father said, hold up, hold up. I got it from here. And the beauty of it is that his son Yisik was able to see a pattern. He was able to see his father be fully obedient. I mean, he went through the process. This is what the father is saying. And I'm saying this prophetically that you need to complete the process. No more starting and stopping. Go to the very end because time is winding up. We don't have time. <laughs> we don't have time to take breaks. We took breaks when we were not saved. Now that we have our hands to the plow, we want to make sure that we have our hand gripped to the plow and dare not look back. I remember this message that I ministered. Turning back is not an option. Turning back is not an option. Time is winding up. It is not time to turn back. So it says, and then number four, move. Move. Be productive, move, do what you know that you're supposed to be doing. The scripture tells us that by this time, and I, I have no idea how much time you can give me some time, time check. By this time, some of you ought to be teachers. The type of word and the type of ministry that we have and the type of um, studying that we do it's not for bragging rights. Some people, they don't want to, they don't want to connect uh, with our ministry. Like, man, why y'all gotta, why you gotta deal with the Hebrews so much? Why? I mean, it's not that serious. You trying to be so deep. Listen, the goal is to stick to the original. The goal is to hear the thoughts of the father, not of man. Because with man, man will 
steer us and has steered us in the wrong direction with religion long enough. Now, the scripture says that the father is no longer winking at ignorance as he once did. We are without excuse. So now it's time to move. It's time to move. It's time to be about his business. Go to the next note here. I, I'm almost finished. Change is necessary. Change is inevitable. Around this time of the year, I get a little uncomfortable because for those who know me, I like beach weather. I'm just like, okay, it needs to be 80 degrees and up. <laughs> That's me. Change is inevitable. There's a purpose in everything. So change, in order to bring about change, you must not abort the process. Listen to this. What you do not change, you have chosen. What you have not, what you have not changed, you, I mean, it's, th that's going to be your choice. What, what are we saying here? In order for me to propel forward, I have to make sure that I am sensitive and I am willing to change. Keep in mind what Abraham, what he was getting ready to do. He was getting ready to sacrifice his son. But guess what he said as you go back and look at that note? It says that we will come back and worship. See, in Abraham's mind, he was like, if I kill my son, the father will raise him up. He had this, I mean, it was credit to him as righteousness. His belief system was intact. It was amazing. So, now, in number three, it says, in order to bring about a change, you must not abort the process. Number four, the transition is easy if you focus on the promise and not the process. Focus on the promise. Too many times, and here's the example of losing weight. Too many times we focus on, well, I want to lose weight. Well, I want to do this. Why do you want to lose weight? Do you want to lose weight because you want to show hips, tips, and fingertips? I mean, what? What do you, you know? Want to show your waistline? Want to show the beads around the waistline? What's the reason? Is it so that you could be the healthiest version of you? Because you could be skinny and and still not healthy. So the transition is easy. Stop letting the, the enemy tell you that it's going to be hard. No, when you make up your mind, when you fix your mind, when you have that Hebrew alphabet, remember Saudi, that desire, that strong pull for the source, for the father, when you have that desire, then the rest will work out. Number five, it's going to take work. It's going to take work. But he who has begun the work in you is what? Faithful. He is faithful into the day of Yeshua. He is the one who has begun this work. So listen, we just have to make sure that we stay focused. And then number six, transformation will not take place with the same mindset. So if you've been asking yourself, well, Father, what, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Why, why don't I see fruit? Why am I not producing? Here it is. Why am I not teaching? 
why am I not holding scripture study that my pastor have requested me to do? Why am I doing, why am I not doing this personal scripture study? Why am I not being a light? Why am I compromising still? Why am I sometimes feeling like a nut and sometimes I don't? Had to put some humor in there. So why, why, why is it? If all is well, why am I like this? Transformation will not take place with the same mindset. We cannot pour new wine, this is scripture, into an old vessel. And so this was this was an example, but the type of vessel that they would use at that particular time when you would pour that new wine into that old vessel, it would make it burst. So we're saying that we want the things of Elohim. Still looking for my time. We're, we're saying that we want the things of Elohim. But we have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to transform our mind. Which brings us to, to the next note, note 17. Do not, and I'll give you a moment to get it up. Okay, I see it. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of Elohim. I love that. Loading. It's loading. Why? Because I'm transforming my mind day by day. I'm renewing my mind. How am I renewing my mind? Thank you. Thank you, Elder Arden. Yeah, this is our midweek. Uh, we call it personal. Yes. So how am I renewing my mind? I'm renewing my mind by going back and listening to the teachings. I'm pressing pause and I'm taking time to, okay. So, okay. How did he get that? Okay, Father, show me. I'm making sure that I'm approved by studying watching this word. Okay. Okay. So this is what he meant by that. I'm renewing my mind. So it's showing me that I need to, I need to stop doing this. I need to prune this. Did you know that if you prune yourself, that Elohim won't have to do that much pruning? Who knew that? Okay. All right. So let's go to the last note. So am I fruitful or do I just have leaves? Now, I'm not going to get a chance to go into all of these, but I do know that in Marcus 11 and 12, when Yeshua, when he went to the fig tree and it appeared that, you know, it may have had some fruit or something, that he went up to it and it was nothing but leaves. So when Elohim, when he checks my tree and when he checks me out, does he see productivity? Does he see any fruit? Does he see fruit that remain? Is the fruit on my tree, is it spoiled? Do I have fruit or do I have nothing but leaves? 
So I have to make sure that I examine myself and make sure that I am subjecting myself to the word so that I can produce fruit, so that I am connected to the vine, so that I will produce fruit, that I don't try to go off and do my own thing and be my own covering and have nothing but leaves. And then the thing, the thing I thought about it, I was like, nothing but leaves. Nothing but leaves. That sounds like somebody just making a whole lot of noise, just shaking, 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 just having a form of godliness, but no power, having a form of righteousness, but no power. That I don't want that to be me. Let a man examine themselves. Everybody, we're just looking in the mirror. Okay, Father, is this me? It's my season. I often say this. It's my season. Where is my fruit? So I have to make sure that the things that I'm doing are lining up with the word. No more stopping and stopping. Yeshua, he didn't replant the tree. He didn't water the tree. He didn't rationalize with the tree. <laughs> what did he do? He cursed that source. He cursed it. Why? There was no fruit. It had a pretentious atmosphere as if it did, but it did not. So I have to make sure that there is no form of hypocrisy in me that I look a certain way, I talk a certain way, but there is no evidence in my life. The last note that I want to give is in uh, on note 19. We are the trees of righteousness. We are trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. Why? So that Elohim can be glorified. Elohim can be glorified. Why is this important? Because as a kingdom ambassador, as Elohim is glorified, who is put to shame? The devil, anything that he is trying, all of that is of naught. Anything, any trick, you can take the note down. Anything that the enemy tries is not going to work as long as I am connected to the vine, as long as I am doing what I'm supposed to do and he's going to get a black eye every time and we're going to help him every time. So for those who are watching, I just want to say thank you so much for watching today. I hope your life was touched by the word and I hope to the point where as you're examining yourself, okay, I, okay, I'm saved. Now it's time for me to produce fruit. It's time for me to stick out the process. It's time for me to not start and stop, but go to the very end. It's time to me, it's time for me to be about the father's business. So shalom to you. Thank you so much for watching and be sure to like, share, 